I want to thank you for joining into our Bible study, and I'd like to encourage you to have your Bibles open to James chapter 3. And I want to take the next few weeks and discuss a topic that we all need help with. And perhaps if you're location conscious of Scripture, you know when we arrive at James chapter 3 that we're talking about the tongue. In fact, this is the single most sustained discussion on the tongue within Scripture. And it's not in here on accident. And it's not included in here because we don't need help with it. It is an incredible revelation. The use of our tongue to the content of our heart. In fact, when I was little, I can remember going to the doctor for an annual checkup. And one of the first things that the doctor would say is, stick out your tongue as part of a health assessment. In a way, that's what I want to do in the coming weeks. Stick out your tongue and let's assess our spiritual health. It's an amazing passage of Scripture. It is very straightforward. And it's truly something we all need to study out and learn more of. J. Vernon McGee who was an old preacher, said this, it takes a baby two years to learn how to talk and then 50 years to learn how to keep quiet. I think we're all in that learning how to keep quiet or at least learning how to control our tongues at this moment. Let's look in James chapter 3 and I'll read just the first two verses tonight as we begin this study. My brethren... He's speaking to believers, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Now he's just said a lot in a little bit of space. He is beginning his discourse on the tongue. The tongue is so important for us to understand because it is a revealer of our hearts and because the tongue has the power on the positive side to heal, to encourage, to edify, to teach, to support, to exhort, to sing, to pray, to praise. On the negative side, the tongue can corrupt and pervert. On the negative side, it can offer up flattery, it can offer up slander or gossip, it can blaspheme, complain, I'm really good at that, curse, seduce, lead astray, destroy. There's so much that we can accomplish with our tongues. And it is fact, as I've addressed already early on, the tongue and the heart are linked. Jesus taught us that. He said in Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, his mouth, speaketh. That's one of the reasons we all need to have the tongue addressed. 
We all need to grow up. We all need to mature in this regard of controlling our tongue because it is connected to our hearts. And because the Bible tells us that our heart is wicked, it is deceitful, and it is sinful. That's why we all struggle with the tongue. It is connected to the core. It's connected to who we are. And ultimately, we are sinners and we are sinful. Nowhere in life is the true us put more on display than with our tongues. Nowhere else is our sin as visible as it is in our speech. And James has made it clear in verse 2 that it is a matter of spiritual maturity. No questions asked. We as believers should be constantly in the process of growing up. Now, that sounds tough when somebody looks at you and says, grow up. But it's something that we need to hear, particularly concerning our speech. Grow up. Spiritually speaking, let's mature. In order to mature, let's understand what James is teaching. And he comes out of the gate in a seemingly strange way in verse 1 when he says, Brethren, be not many masters. That sounds like an odd statement. Why? Because we shall receive the greater condemnation, which means he is lumping himself in the category of master when he says, we, brethren, be not many masters, we shall receive the greater condemnation. If I were to try to simplify that, it would be something like this. Don't be so quick to become a teacher because there will be harsher judgment ultimately attached to that particular ministry. And here in this context, as James is pinning it, in the early days of the New Testament church, he is speaking contextually, expressly in my estimation, about teaching scriptural truth, teaching the commands of Jesus Christ. A teacher like this, like me in my calling, is under added scrutiny and largely, again, contextually sound because we're using words. We are equipped with words in the scripture that we must teach, and then we use words in order to teach that scripture. Even the word that is used there, masters, comes out of the context of the Jewish synagogue where the rabbi who was trained would turn and teach the law. And it was an honored and respected position. Master, rabbi, teacher. Jesus was called this on occasion. And now we have shifted from the synagogue into the church. But many of the foundation stones come over. It is a cultural setting. And so here, as James is writing, he's talking about the teachers of Bible truth, the communicators of the gospel, the mandates, the teachings, the doctrines of Jesus Christ and of the apostles. And he's saying they're masters. Now, they no longer had to be a rabbi, but there are now rising up within the church opportunities to be teachers where perhaps those opportunities didn't exist prior within the synagogue, and there's a danger. You have to be careful 
because there is true scrutiny and added pressure attached to that. One commentator said this, The problem in a word is ambition, which has been and continues to be the bane of the church. Often, instead of being Christ-driven people, believers are need-driven in public ministry. The need for public attention, to be thought intelligent, to show oneself wiser than others, to have influence and authority can fuel the most pious sermons. Such persons not only scramble to places of verbal prominence, but scheme to climb the ladder. They might be gifted with eloquence or a vocabulary, and they're elevated because of that without the calling or adherence to the Scripture. Ambition can climb in. That's what James is addressing. Don't be so fleshly. Don't be so ambitious to pursue this if it is an opportunity that is spiritually there. Understand it is a great responsibility. And it can be a problem. The more that you speak, the less that you listen. And the more that you hear yourself speak, the less inclined you are to listen to others and learn. Be careful. Be not many masters. It's a great responsibility. There's a great accountability. That's why the Apostle Paul, and we've recently studied 2 Timothy, warned Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we worked through that verse. There is great press on the teacher of Bible truth to study. That is what the apostles in Acts 6 designated help from the church in order to accomplish deeper, greater study. Strict adherence to what the Word says. Not concerned with what people want to hear, but to be approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And it's interesting that James says, don't rush, don't be so ambitious to pursue what you see as an elevated position. Understand there is accountability attached. There's great responsibility. And he clarifies what it is when he says, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, shall receive, is in future tense. It is implied here that there will come a time when we will answer, where judgment will occur. And I think here he is speaking of that Bema seat judgment, where our endeavors, the evaluation of our works will take place. We learn that in 2 Corinthians 5. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. We shall receive the greater condemnation. You will answer for the words that you speak in an elevated way because of the content and the context of your speaking. So James is launching into this discourse on the tongue and he sets the bar immediately high by saying, don't be so ambitious. Don't rush 
to be one of the teachers. And, and if it's there, great, and pursue those spiritual gifts, but grasp that there's a greater responsibility and a greater accountability to that, and we'll answer to the Lord for how we handle it. Now, I could take a step back and I could say anybody then who is in a position where they are teaching the Word of God should be sobered by this reality. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman, rightly dividing the word of truth. Kids teachers, sometimes we get a little flippant, sometimes we get a little loose, sometimes we take it a little lightly. Connection group teachers, Bible study teachers, wherever you find yourself in that regard, there is a sobering reality that we need to be strictly teaching and preaching the Word of God and aware of the responsibility that is attached to it. Be not many masters. That's pretty specific. Now he's going to expand it. He opens this up a little bit in verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Now, I don't know a lot of perfect people. And you don't know a lot of perfect people. But if we were to know a perfect individual, that perfect individual would reveal their perfection in the capacity to completely control the tongues. We offend all. That's what James says. In many things, we offend all. That's just true about all. We all stumble. We all trip. We are all offensive. Even the best in the scriptures are offensive with their tongue. As I was studying, I came across one who said, Job, who was clearly a great man of God, said this in Job 40 and verse 4, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. I am vile. If I open my mouth, I will reveal that. He went on and said, Isaiah, who we know was a prophet of God, we know was a noble man, in assessing himself in Isaiah 6, 5, he says, I am a man of unclean lips. Moses, a meek man, a gentle man. Moses, a man who God greatly used when he failed. In Psalm 106, 33, we read, They provoked his spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. His provoked spirit gave rise to an unadvised use of his mouth. It revealed what was on the inside. Even the greatest, Job, Isaiah, Moses, that's pretty high territory. That's, that's pretty high level spirituality struggling with the tongue. That's why James just says, look, in many things we offend all. And in particular, we offend with our mouths. We offend with our tongues. I, I could just say, stop for a second. Lock in for a second and acknowledge this. You're offensive with your tongue. And so am I. Not one of us is off the hook here. In many things, we offend all. We say things we ought not say. We react in ways we ought not react. We use our tongue far too often 
to do harm and not good. And really, we need help with that. He said it very clearly. We offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. Now, the word perfect there is in direct relation to maturity. Not perfect in the sense of sinlessness, but perfect in the sense of spiritual maturity. The progress of our sanctification, the progress of our spiritual maturity is revealed by the use of our tongue. You don't need to wonder how far down the road of spiritual maturity you are. You have a tattletale, as it were, in your mouth letting you know. It is a process. It's a part of Growing up, forgive me there. It's a part of growing up. How mature are you? And it is genuinely a process. Are you making progress? Now, as we expand on this just a little bit, he's, he's going to begin to talk about control. Control. And as we studied the fruit of the Spirit, we came across the idea of self-discipline, of bringing under control. This is throughout the New Testament, bringing under control, bringing our thoughts into captivity, bringing our body, mortifying the deeds of the flesh. There is an idea here as he uses the term to bridle the whole body, to be the one that is steering, to be the one that is in control. Spiritual maturity is indicated by gaining control of what is coming out of your mouth. And it is a process. But you should be growing. You should be covering ground in the process. Don't give up. Press on. Don't quit. Keep growing. You stumble, absolutely. Start again. Start again. Now, I want to be careful because ultimately, as we'll establish through this study, it it boils down to changing the heart because the mouth, the speech, the tongue reveals what's in the heart. But the idea to the capacity to bridle the tongue, it begins in the heart as well. We've got to put some effort into this. We've got to discipline ourselves. We've got to gain some control in this regard spiritual maturity. Now, James is going to launch further into this discourse, and you're a part of this study, and I'm a part of this study as I work through here. But it's intriguing to me what James says. In in, in a lot of ways, we all stumble. In many things, we offend all. We all stumble. But if you find an individual who offends not in word, you have found a spiritually mature person. And that spiritually mature person who has learned how to control the tongue is able then to bridle the whole body. He's brought everything under control. What he has communicated here, it's it's an interesting play on words. Be not many masters, because there's a greater condemnation. There's the idea of this post, this office, this calling is elevated up. This is top tier and grasp. There's greater accountability with it. He comes back in verse two and he says, now let me address the hardest, one of the 
hardest things to do is to bridle the tongue. If you don't offend in word, then what that indicates is you're able then to bridle the whole body. If you can gain control of the tongue, the other things become easier. Maybe we could say if you can lift a thousand pounds, then we would have no doubt that you could lift 10 or 50 or 100. And what I think is happening here is James is saying if you can bridle the tongue, if you can control the tongue, you're lifting a thousand pounds, which means we would expect that you could lift 10 or 50. The other things that are going to come into play, the other battles that are going to arrive, you're going to be able to be victorious. If you can bridle the tongue, in effect, everything else just became easier. That's just saying we have an elevated position and we have an elevated struggle. We have a top-tier calling with greater accountability, and we have a top-tier battle on our hands. If you were wondering this week that you have ahead, as veteran as you are in your spiritual walk, what area could I work on? Where could I focus my attention? The tongue. This is a top-tier battle. This is a tough one. This is one that needs attention. You can exercise some effort and time working on your tongue. And it's a vital battle. It's a great struggle. The Bible tells us literally that death and life are in the power of the tongue. That sounds somewhat hyperbolic. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's what the scripture says. People die because of something that the tongue said. A tongue, in effect, is a weapon of mass destruction. Can you imagine that? Now, in technical terms, tongues have started wars. Literally, things that are said, and it requires the command to go. But they can also destroy your marriage. They can also break down your teenager. They can also beat down and wear out your toddler. They can also defeat your coworkers. They can run down your employers. They can wear out the Christians that are around you or those that you're serving with. They can damage your career. They can ruin your reputation. Those words that are spoken can be so destructive. Churches can be brought down. Families can be brought down. Lives can be dismantled by the tongue. But also life. The Bible says it is a tree of life. The Bible says blessed are the peacemakers. The tongue can do that. The tongue can also make your marriage incredibly sweet and your family strong and your kids feel loved and understood and churches healthy and the gospel can be proclaimed and praises offered up and prayers uh, offered up and, and much accomplished. And when we understand really the ramifications when we grasp what is at stake, we cannot help but ask God to forgive us and to help us in this battle of controlling our tongue. Be not many masters. Understand, if you have a spot where you're communicating the word, there is some real sobering accountability there. Now, we're all offensive. We all stumble. And as we look to grow spiritually, Gauge your spiritual maturity by your tongue because if you can win that, everything else gets easier because you've hit the top tier. 
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the simplicity of your word, so desperately necessary for us to understand this. In this week ahead, these few hours we have even remaining in this day, may we honor you by our tongues. May we seek to clean up, to honor you, with all, to bring life with what comes out, grace with what comes out of our mouth. May we change our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.